Good evening. Happy Monday, everyone, and Emmanuel Everywhere Land. Uh, giving you some time to uh, join. Uh, let me know in the chat that you're here. I know you're here, and then I'll get started. Give everybody a moment. And I'm going to end with prayer. I know we're missing our Wednesday night prayer. So if you have something that you need us to pray for you for, uh, put it in the chat for us as well. And uh, at the end, before we, we conclude, I'll have a word of prayer. That's all right. All right. I'm not going to delay. You know, we it's always rebroadcast. So we'll have it rebroadcast right after this. We also do our due diligence and chopping it up with the extra video presentation and et cetera that our media person puts on. Uh, and he uh, does it a little different on our, our YouTube page. So if you're able to catch those shorts or the way that he takes my stories and he puts a video with it, uh, those kind of bring things together if I don't make it clear. We've been trying to work on some technology to give me that ability to give it to you live, and I'm still working on that. So. Uh, I see my mother in love is on. Hey, mom. All right. Let me get right in it and uh, get you guys out of here. I'm a little hungry today. I went today without not eating, so I'm kind of starving. So I'm going to get you guys on your way. Happy, happy Monday. All right. For our praise break moment, as I mentioned, I want to be intentional about remembering that this is Black History Month. And so our praise break moments seem to always have a tie in. So, this praise break moment goes out to the Tuskegee Airmen. Uh, in all, there were 992 pilots who were trained in Tuskegee from 1941 to 1946. 355 of those were deployed overseas. 85 lost their lives. And the toll included 68 pilots killed in action or accidents, 12 killed in training, non-combat missions, and there were 32 who were captured as prisoner of war. Our praise break moment comes with the name of one that was captured. His name is Alexander Jefferson. Uh, my family, my mother's maiden name is Jefferson, so he could be family far as far as I know. But Alexander Jefferson, a Tuskegee Airman, uh, and he documents this story of his. He says, I was flying my 19th mission when uh, it was a, to knock out the radar stations along the harbor and southern coast of France to prevent Germans from detecting the Allied invasion ships, which three days later, at a part of as a part of Operation Dragoon, would land between Marseilles and Nice. It was a beautiful, clear day with unlimited visibility when our 16 P-51s flew in over the coast in four flights of four each, and the first three sets of four went in. I was soon shot down parachuting to safety and landing within a, a forest. He said that he was captured immediately by Nazi ground troops. He was sent to prisoner of war camp in Stalag Luft in Poland, a specialist Luft run camp by the captured Allied Air Force personnel. Uh, the, the shout in this is the thought and it'll kind of go in with what we're going to talk about today, is that no matter what you're in, no matter where you're located, high or low, God is still a keeper of those whom he chooses to keep. 
we read the story. All the Tuskegee Airmen were not lucky. All of them didn't make it. But here, as we look at the life of Alexander Jefferson, he survived that POW camp and was soon released uh, after he had spent uh, some uh, eight months as a POW. He stated, the only time I was afraid was when we ran into some young Hitler kids yelling obscenities. But as they translated, they were actually calling me an air gangster, <laughs> which he laughed and said, today that could be seen as a compliment. What I want to tell somebody as, uh, as we think about this is that God is a keeper. Even after the bullets, even after the ejection from the cockpit, even after the parachute down, even after the capture behind enemy lines, God is a keeper. We can look at that many ways in our own lives. Even after the darts of the enemy were shot at you, even after uh, there was an ejection from your, your, your comfort zone into a place where you didn't even know where you were, even after you landed safety in, safely in what you thought would be a place of refuge and it turned into a place of horror, even after that, God kept us. It didn't matter what was around us. It didn't matter what the enemy tried to do to us. We bid our time in those locations like most of us, and we made it out. Can anybody shout to the fact that you made it out? All of us have come from someplace where we were flying in uncharted waters and over uncharted territory, and yet God, even in the midst of what looked like a crash and burn scenario, we survived. That's a black history moment for anybody uh, as we look at the life of this. And the last thing I'll say when he talked about them calling him the air gangster is that God can make your enemies compliment you. Oh, man. <laughs> After it's all said and done, those who are yelling the obscenities at him were actually complimenting him that he was a bad man. <laughs> and so that's our, our, our black history moment for a praise break. I pray that was for somebody. Um, today, uh, we want to review briefly what Pastor has been doing his series, Freedom Ain't Free series for this month. Uh, we also targeting growth uh, as a platform that, that we are, or as a mantra that we're trying to work with in this year. And uh, he, he, dealing with the life of Moses out of Exodus, we are also taking this to Wednesday night Bible study. So please join us. And he preached from the sermon title, Do It Anyway. I will read his scripture and then give us our compliment scripture for this week to walk into. And then we'll see you on Wednesday. All right. Uh, pastor came to us from Exodus 2, verses 1 through 10. And this is regarding the life of Moses. Says these words. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. 
When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get her, to, to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the princess re replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. Uh, it's already a shout in this. I don't even know. So, so the woman took her baby home and nursed him, her own baby, mind you, and nursed him. And she's getting paid for it. Whew. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. Then the princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Whew. A lot in that, and I'm sure we'll dive deeper on Wednesday, but I want to pair it with the scripture to help you understand today. And that is out of Psalms 139, uh, just uh, three verses. It says in Psalms 139, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. I want to talk to you for a few moments about this uh, thought for you to walk into this week with, and that is the survival of the fittest. The survival of the fittest. But why do we survive? How did we survive? That's not just a question for Moses. That's not just a question for Black History Month. That is a question for you and I. Certainly, depending on where you've come from, you, you have asked yourself the same question. How did I survive this? There was something that happened in your life that transpired. Might have been something physical, maybe something spiritual, but you had to ask yourself, I have no reason to understand how I survived this. Um, I was rear-ended a couple of times in my life so badly that I still wonder, how did I survive this? I've been to a point of depression and, and almost to a point of suicide twice in my lifetime. And I think to myself, how did I survive this? I, I'm just being transparent, but I, I hope somebody's walking with me because in all intensive purposes, you have no understanding of how did you survive this? Um, a couple of times I've been in positions of, of, of bad places at wrong times and events happening with guns going off and or fights. And I walked away and you have to ask yourself, how did I survive? Maybe it was a bad marriage that you got out of and you wondered to yourself, how would I ever make it? How would I ever live? And you survived. How did we survive? How did we survive? How did our ancestors survive under the lash and the whip of the slave master? And we can even ask ourselves, if we look at this text, how did Moses survive? But the shout is that as you look at everything unfolding, 
fold, there was something about how Moses was shaped even before he was formed where God made him special. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I feel like there's a shout on the horizon when you think about the fact that God knew everything. And if we look at this Psalm scripture, he says very clearly, you saw me before I was even born. That's something for somebody that God knew who you would be. He knew what you would have to go through. He knew what the enemy would use against you. He knew, just like with, with Brother Jefferson, he knew where you would have to land at. He knew that your plane was going to get shot down. He knew. He knew it. Every day of my life, it says, the psalmist David declares, every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. It's all laid out. But there's survival. We survived. There's a shout in the fact that you survived. And I wish more people would understand that surviving is a blessing. Oh, it's a blessing to survive. Everybody didn't survive. Everybody didn't make it. Everybody didn't make it out. Everybody doesn't survive the crash. Everybody doesn't survive being shot down. But the fact that you made it out is enough for you to do the bare minimum and at least wave a hand and give God a praise for the fact that you survived. The life of Moses helps us understand his life and the life of all God's children and that his children are still defined as those who believe. I need to put that out there. But I don't want you to think that those who do not believe still don't live to have an opportunity to believe. Because I believe that there are many who don't believe, but they're on their way to believing. They just haven't made a decision yet. And so there's a few things that I want to share about this particular text and Moses that I hope that will walk us into this week give us some preparation for Wednesday Bible study and make you think about your own survival and your being able to survive. The first of all, you need to understand that we're outfitted. We are outfitted. I mean, not talking about the clothes you have on. I'm talking about the exterior of all things around you that have made you safe. Even before Moses was born, God already put the proper things around him and outfitted him on the outside to be safe. All around you, how you're woven together, how you're, how you're put together has allowed you to survive. Even in the cry of silence, your survival was outfitted. Uh, 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 the, the book that Pastor has us paired with that I hope you guys get a chance to get it is Zora Neale Hurston and her book, Moses, Man of the Mountain. She's the one who wrote their eyes for watching God. Very good read. But one of the things she talks about in the book is she goes into detail about Moses and she goes into this specific detail is that in the midst of all of the Hebrew women that were giving birth to boys, they could not even cry out giving birth. If they were to cry outward, if they were to cry out, that would cause uh, uh, Pharaoh's men to hear them and they, they would thus be found out. So they had to hide in caves and, and other places that were, were desolate so they can give birth, but they could not cry out. 
Can you imagine the pain of giving birth, but you cannot cry as they hid among these caves and rocks so that they couldn't be discovered? And it's in the silence of pain that you've been outfitted, that you've been outfitted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the silence of your pain that God has outfitted you all around you. You were placed strategically to survive. This is how we were able to survive the storms of life that came our way and the, the calamities we survived because all around us was outfitted for our survival. Now you can say to yourself, no matter what's around you that's making you uh, who you are, it's a bad outfit. It's a bad outfit, but it's a bad outfit. I hope somebody got what I'm saying right there. So you outfit it. The next thing we find in the text as we look at, at the life of Moses and uh, uh, the psalmist is that you're also not only outfitted, but you're infitted. You're fitted on the inside. How God trains you from the location he places you in is on the job training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is in our training of the midst of captivity and the location that he places us that gets us prepared for where God wants us to go. Ultimately, we know that Moses had to grow up and he had to be infitted with everything that he needed in order to be the Moses that would free a people. Yeah, Pharaoh didn't care about age. He wasn't concerned about any of the boy boys or any of the people, they all had to work in the building yards. They all had to be young uh, 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 internally in order to survive. Age was nothing but a number, but they all had to, to, to forget about age and they all had to do the work. They had to be infitted. And I don't care what storm you've been placed in, you're going to have to be infitted. The, the, the changes that need to be made are inside. The way that you think about things are going to have to be changed in your mind. The way that you move about is going to have to happen in the heart. And when that begins, you will be, be, be in the training process and growing to be exactly who God designed for you to be, even if you're behind enemy lines and in a storm. You're infitted. You're infitted. The next thing is, is after you're outfitted, after you're infitted, then it's at that point that you're fit to make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After Moses has matured, after Moses has learned all of the precepts that were handed down to him from God in his time with his mother, and even in the midst of being a part of, uh, in, in the Egyptian uh, palace, he was eventually given an assignment that was against all odds. Yeah, Moses was eventually given an assignment by God that defied odds. And I declare you and I have an assignment. There is something that God has designed for each and every one of us to do in this life. I don't care what it is. It might not be preaching in a pulpit. It might not be uh, 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 teaching in school. It may be just how you live. It may be just you saying a kind word to somebody. It may just be how you interact with your family. I don't know what, what it is, but God has made it fit for you to make it. You're fit to make it. And the last thing is not only are you uh, outfitted, not only are you infitted, not only are you fit to make it, the last thing I want to declare with you is that you're fit to take it. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the devil throws your way, you're fit to take it. Yeah, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's not going to be an easy road. Uh, Airman Jefferson had to spend those eight months and it wasn't an easy road for him. But it wasn't until after he was freed did he get the accolades that he deserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't get the reward until after he had endured all that he endured. But he was fit to take it and it won't be easy. I need to tell somebody, you getting to your next level will not be easy. You're going to come against all kinds of opposition. You're going to come against the enemy. You're going to come against naysayers. You're going to encounter haters. You're going to encounter all those who want you to die right where you are, to not live. Just as Pharaoh decreed on the boys, he don't want you to make it. But does anybody know that there is a survival of those that God fits to survive? And all I need to tell somebody is that you and I are examples of the survival of the fittest. Not everybody makes it. But isn't it a shout for us that you and I are fit to survive? God has shaped us in everything that happened in our life to survive and it's survival of the fittest. And I want to encourage somebody in the middle of the storm right now that God has put you in it because he's counting on you to survive. Don't give up. Yeah, yeah, I know your, your tears are staining your pillow, but don't give up. Yeah, I know that you're crying when nobody's looking, but don't give up. I know that it seems hard and difficult and every day it seems like the boss is laying more on you than you can bear, but don't give up. Because although you are there now, there is a freedom that's going to come. There is a lifting that'll come out of that and you're going to free yourself and you're gonna free somebody. That was Moses's charge. God placed him in that water, covered him up, made sure he survived because he was the survival of the fittest. He was fit to survive. Let me close here with this to help you bring it home. The salmon have a life cycle. It is difficult, a difficult journey from the egg to the spawning adult. That is a, an egg of a salmon to it becoming mature enough to reproduce. That's called the spawning. It said that only 2% of all salmon hatched will live to adulthood. There are many natural predators that come after the salmon. There are the, the birds, there's fish, there's uh, marine animals and disease that come upon them. Many are so tired from making the trip upstream, upstream that they don't eat or they eventually die. There's even a location in Brook Falls, which is a waterfall located in Katmai National Park, uh, a, a preserve in Alaska, where about for a mile and a half, there are leaping salmon who jump over the six foot falls to get to the brooks, which is their spawning ground. Oftentimes, if you look at the image of this, sitting on the banks are often these hungry bears. And the hungry bears, it's like Christmas for these bears. All they got to do to catch a salmon is to stick their paw out, grab one and start eating. So all along the banks in these salmon's survival are these bears that are attacking them. But there is a percentage 
There are some strong ones. There are some ones who swim a little bit different than the others. There are some ones who are a little bit slippery than the others, who slip right through the fingers of the bears. And your praise should be is that you're destined to make it, just like some of those salmon are destined to make it. Sw swimming against strong currents and things coming against us, we've made it. Swimming upstream and tired from all of the swimming we've had to do in life, we've made it. It's been hard. We've had to battle against bears. We've had to battle against other things that are coming to snatch us up. But does anybody know that many of us have survived? And I'm telling you, you've survived because you're the survival of the fittest. You have no idea what I've had to survive Whew. to get to where I am here. You have no idea what I had to endure in my lifetime to be who God made me to be. You have no idea what kind of hell I had to wake up to and go to bed to at night. Oftentimes, we none of us tell all of our testimony, but all I can say that can shout me today is that I was fit to survive. I was made to make it. I was designed to be here. And for that reason, I'm alive with a purpose. And if my purpose is to give you this message today, that you are survival of the fittest and that God has fit you to survive, then that's my job. That's my Moses mission. And I believe you have one as well. Survival of the fittest. You are fit to survive. That's all I got for you right now, man. That shouted me. Whew, you have no idea. <laughs> I, you you have no idea what I had to survive to be me. And I have no idea what you had to survive to be you. But all of us have survived something and we're still here. That is a shout for somebody. All right. I'm looking for prayer requests right now. Uh, I know I can tell you I, there's some things I want to lift up. I want to lift up my sister-in-law uh, who, who has been ill. Uh, I want to lift up... Uh, Minister uh, Reverend Celinda Miranda from our church and the passing of her mother, sweet woman that I'm so glad I got a chance to go and see and pray for in person. Uh, uh, she just was just a joy. And so we are saddened by the loss of her mom. Anyone else have special prayer requests? I am looking in the chat. Let me see here. You know, I don't do the chat real good, but I think I got it today. Any any prayer requests? Prayer requests. I see my sister Crystal came in. Amen. Amen. And I know about her survival. I know about your survival, sis. That's a shout too. All right. Well, we're going to pray for those things and certainly be in prayer for the other things. We are in prayer for our churches. I'm sure you guys are aware about the events of Joel Osteen's church. Uh, you know, no church is, is the devil seems to be running rampant in this world. But it, but I guarantee you, the Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against his church. So it doesn't matter how, how much the devil attacks it. We're going to be here and God's going to take care of us but we definitely want to be in prayer. There are evil men running everywhere. And uh, the more we 
hear the politicians, uh, uh, Trump now talking crazy about, you know, Nate turn you know, turning against NATO for not paying and so many different things uh, that are going on. And, and so we need to be in prayer for our country. We need to be in prayer for our churches. We need to be in prayer for our homes and just from prayer for one another. So let's pray together right now. God in heaven, we thank you right now for your, your keeping power. You helped us to survive just through the day. We don't know of all the things that were thrown at us by the enemy, God, but we thank you that we're still here. So many things you blocked and we didn't even know you blocked them. And God, we're, we're great. We're thankful just as you blocked so many things in the life of Moses so that he can become who he is, you, who he was. You've done, you've done the same thing for all of us. And God, we're grateful. God, we lift up those special prayer requests right now. God, I lift up my sister-in-law to you, God, and many others who have been ill or injured. God, we pray right now in the hospitals, God, we pray right now that you will bring them to a place of healing, that you would touch their bodies and give them a testimony of how they made it and that they can tell you that it was you that did it and it was you in them that did it. And they are examples of survival of the fittest. God, we lift up those in the midst of bereavement, Reverend Celinda, on the loss of her mom and many others who are losing uh, Sister Desmukes and the loss of her mother. And there are many others from our church who have lost loved ones, God, and not just loved ones that were lost recently, but we're still dealing with loved ones we lost a long time ago. So, God, we pray that you would send your comfort, send your comfort now and God, send your comfort later, send your comfort for us. Sometimes later comes when we want to talk to our loved one and can't do it. We want to just pick up a phone and say, hey, and we can't do it. We need you to comfort us during those times when we smell a smell or hear a song that reminds us of them and we start crying. God, we need you to come to us and comfort us during those times. All of us have lost something. And so, God, we need we need you to comfort us only you can. God, we lift up our country. We lift up our churches. God, we lift up anywhere where the enemy can run rapid. We bind him in the name of Jesus. We declare, God, that you are God all by yourself. Nothing too hard for you, God, and the enemy is only driven back by you. So, God, we pray that you would continue to make our services safe, uh, continue to, to move as only you can on our country, that no matter who is elected, God, that you, you're still the king of kings and lord of lords. You're still above every president and pope. And so, God, we give our glory and our allegiance to you first, knowing that no matter who's in office, you're still in control of our lives. So God, I just thank you tonight for those who came in and joined. We pray for those special prayer requests that were not spoken. You know them before they can ask. Be with us and bring us back together that we may continue to study your word together on Wednesday night. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, God bless y'all. I'm gonna let y'all go. Uh, praying that you all keep in prayer and that you all keep keeping on and just remember, it's the survival of the fist. You're fit to survive. God bless you.